What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up guys, welcome to another episode of Around the Arc. I'm Jamie, very happy to have you here today. Now, now that the now that the dust has kind of settled, pretty much, after all of the, the free agency madness that, that we all witnessed, um, I wanted to take you through one of the sort of biggest storylines and biggest changes that the NBA has, has undergone this year, or this summer, sorry. And that is how the sort of entire narrative of the league has shifted from, or last year we were very much in the in the era of super teams and, you know, three or four stars on on one team. And now amazingly almost overnight we have now shifted into the era of star duos and literally right when i was when i was researching this this topic i found literally around two-thirds of the entire league so about 20 of the 30 teams now have a star duo on their roster, or at least uh, a potential star duo if it's uh, if it's younger guys. So what I wanted to do today is kind of go through all of the all of the top NBA duos heading into next year, and talk a little bit about each one, and we're going to see who comes up on top. Now, obviously, before before we get started, um. I'd just like to remind you that this is purely my list. It's my opinion, so feel free to disagree um, if you if you feel the need. Uh, 
hop on Twitter to debate me. See, uh, tell me. I'd love to know what you guys think or who you guys think are the, is the best duo in the NBA. So be sure to let me know. But yeah, as I said, this is my this is my list. So feel free to disagree with it. But without any further ado, let's just dive right into it. Now I'm going to start off with a with an honorable mention here. Um which could if both were healthy, they could potentially be one of the top three duos in the league, and that is, of course, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, who teamed up to on the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, so like I said, next year they could easily be a top three duo once KD returns, but obviously since he's got that Achilles injury, I'm having to hold him out of, of, this, of this list just now. Um, but while we're on while we're on the subject of the Nets, I think this year is going to be a huge year for Kyrie Irving. Um, he needs to have a huge year, like he always does statistically, but more importantly, his production and his leadership are going to have to translate to wins. And I think another important aspect with this with this team, obviously, it's not just not just Kyrie, but um, if they can kind of rekindle much of the kind of team spirit and and fun-loving attitude that this team showcased last year, um, while you know keeping locker room tension, off-court drama, keeping all that to a minimum, I think that that's going to be super important this year um, to ensure that that KD has as smooth a transition as possible and as easy a return as possible once he comes back because you know when you're coming back from an injury as severe as an Achilles you don't want to add to the to the pressure and add to the burden of having to come back to a kind of disjointed team and a you know a team that's filled with drama so big year for Kyrie and the Nets even even though uh even though they won't have, you know, championship aspirations this season. But still still a big year. Alright, moving on to our first real star duo. Um but like I said, that the, these guys they're more of a potential star duo. I'm talking about Jamarant and Jaron Jackson Jr. from Memphis. So they operate the number nineteen spot on this list. Yes, there are nineteen star duos that I have I have put together for this list. Um, so just to quickly to quickly go over these two, they have remarkable upside, but each of them, as you know, unproven at the NBA level. Jackson, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., he's already established himself as a potential two-way beast after having a very, very impressive rookie season. And then on the other side, Jamarant, he has the potential to be a perennial all-star. And after the Grizzlies traded Mike Conley, he's basically already being given the keys to the to the franchise, basically. And I think that that experience that he's going to gain being a starter early on is just going to do wonders for for him and his development. And 
now that they're play Memphis, they're playing with essentially no expectations next season. Nobody's expecting them to to be in the playoffs or anything, and I think that too will help uh, both Morant and Jackson. Um, just it'll help them focus on just developing their games and developing their chemistry with one another. So they're definitely a duo to look for in the future. Uh, next up, number 18, I've got Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. Now, obviously, they'd be a heck of a lot further up this list if Wiggins decided he cared enough about basketball to, you know, put in the time to be great on a nightly basis. Um, you look at Towns, and he's he's already a star. He's capable of... I think, being in the conversation for the best big man in the league. But for him, he needs more team success to kind of make his case and build up his reputation. Um, I know I know a lot of people after last season have essentially just thrown in the towel and given up on Wiggins. I'm not there yet. I I still think there's hope for him to kind of... Uh, regain his form and begin to live up to the insane hype that he entered the league with um i mean he's already shown that he can be a a mid-20 points per game scorer in the league and i think if he can if he can improve his all-around play um on top of that and like i said just improve his commitment to basketball then these guys there's no reason that they couldn't you know, be looking to crack the top 10 uh, in this list by the end of this season. But again, the success of the Timberwolves as a team and and the success of these two as a duo, I think, rests solely on Andrew Wiggins. I think this this is kind of the make-or-break year. That's how I see it for for Wiggins. If he kind of sucks again this year, I think that's it. There's not really any hope after that, but I've I've still got hope that he can turn it around this season. Number seventeen, I've got Trey Young and John Collins. Uh, again, this is more of a potential star duo. Uh, you know, these still two young guys, and they're relatively unproven. But uh, if they each can take another step next year and develop, which I think they can, I think they will, then they'll definitely begin to climb up this list after next season. Uh, Trey Young, he seems to be kind of a fusion of Steph Curry and Steve Nash, um, which, you know, if he can, if he can even slightly live up to that kind of comparison then he'll he'll quickly become one of the best point guards in the league and we saw especially after the all-star break last season just how good he is and how quickly he developed which i think is a good sign going into next season as well i think he could he could potentially become a 20 point 10 assist point guard um even you know moving to the sort of mid-20s in scoring. that That's not all that much of a stretch for him either. I mean, he's really, really something. Um, and then 
not forgetting about John Collins. I think he he projects to be a kind of 20 and 10 beast for the foreseeable future. I mean, he took a big step last season and was one of the most improved players in the league. You know, he added a three-point shot. Um, he averaged almost 20 and 10. I think he was he put up around 19 points, nine boards. So if he can add to that again next season, I think if he can crack that 20 and 10 mark, while also seeing improvement from Trey Young, these guys will definitely begin to shoot up the list. Uh, next up, number 16, I've got Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond for, for the Detroit Pistons. Now, I think injury concerns will always be attached to Blake. Uh, I think until he can prove that he can stay healthy for an entire season, including the playoffs. I know last year was sort of a resurgence year for him, but he still was hurt in the in the latter portions of the year, and he did actually miss two of uh, two of their their first round playoff games again against the Bucks. So I think, yeah, Griffin. It's all it's all about health for him, um, and then. For Drummond, I mean, he does, he has his limitations, but he is, I think, the best rebounder in the NBA. He can be a very, very good defender, um, and he's nowhere near as offensively limited as he was when he first came into the league. And you see that in his scoring, but also, uh, I think it's most glaringly obvious, his development... Um, when it comes to his free throw shooting, like you can't really intentionally foul, foul him anymore, um, and just show how much he has improved in that area. In his first five seasons in the league, he shot under forty percent from the free throw line, which you know that's that's hard to do. I think it's it's difficult to be that bad at shooting free throws, but in the last two seasons, he's up that percentage to around sixty percent, which you know, that's while still not a great free throw shooter, that is an incredible improvement. Now, if Griffin can remain healthy and Drummond can keep doing what he's doing, maybe, you know, uh, ironing out a few wrinkles in his game, then I think the Pistons will see a lot more success as a team and as a result that will shine more light on these guys as a duo and i think that's uh it's a bit more likely next season now that now that detroit they do have a little bit more talent to surround these guys with you know that i mean they've still got reggie jackson they brought in Derek rose they made a couple of other signings you know added a bit of shooting a bit more depth to the roster um i think i mean their success is hinging on on Blake's health, but if if he can remain healthy, then they could Detroit could definitely look to build upon upon what they did last season. Uh, right next up, number fifteen, I've got Zach Levine and Lowry Markinen. Now, offensively speaking, the sky is the limit for these two. I mean, to me, Levine he shows flashes of a of a sort of prime Vince Carter type player. I mean, he's a he's a lethal shooter and shot creator, you know, off the dribble, uh, and he's got some of the best hops in the league, and he's just incredible to watch. And then for Markinen, he's he's not all that dissimilar to 
a guy like Kristaps Porzingis. I mean, offensively speaking, at least he may not be quite as explosive as as Porzingis is, but you see lots of similarities in their games. You know, big guy who's got range. He can shoot. He can take it off the dribble as well occasionally. Um, good pick and roll, pick and pop threat. You know. I think both of these guys have the capability of scoring in the mid-20s, but I think their development on defense will likely determine how how high they can they can move up this list as well as how much success uh, the Bulls can have as a team. And I think if they can become at least serviceable on that end, then Chicago could be in the playoff picture as early as, as next season, I think. Next up at number 14, we've got Drew Holiday and Zion Williamson. Now, Drew Holiday is one of my absolute favorite players in the league. I think he's one of the most underrated and one of the top two-way players as well in the NBA. I mean, I think uh, the Pelicans GM David Griffin calling him an MVP candidate going into next season, that may be a bit of a stretch. But I think it's not too much of a stretch to expect him to have the Pelicans at least in the the playoff race in the West. And now with Zion, if he's in shape and if he's healthy, then, I mean, it's, it's not that much of a push to expect him to be a borderline star from day one. And as he gets used to the NBA game, the the style of play, and as he gains more experience, then he'll only get scarier by the day. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, I think it's hard to predict how many games the Pelicans will win next year, but they're definitely going to be one of the top teams to watch. They're definitely on my list of, of league pass teams next year. At number 13, I've got Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. Now, like like with uh, Levine and Markkinen on the Bulls, if the Suns can win a few more games, if they can be a little bit more relevant as a franchise, then these two will absolutely be talked about more. I mean, you look at DeAndre Ayton, he, he's barely been talked about. I've barely heard his name mentioned and he's only one year removed from being the number one pick in the draft. And it's not like he was a bust last season. He had a very, very impressive rookie season. He averaged, what, around like 17 points, 10, 11 rebounds? That is, that is incredibly impressive for a rookie. I know he was, he was overshadowed by uh, Luka Doncic's uh, incredible rookie season. But still, you shouldn't forget about Aiton, Aiton here. And Devin Booker, he he's arguably the best young scorer in the league. And I think he has the potential to, to lead the league in scoring one season. And now, with both guys, I expect them to take another step next season. And with their development coupled with the with the pieces that Phoenix have added this this summer namely Ricky Rubio so they finally have a point guard i do expect them to be to be a, a bit more relevant next year i'm not expecting them to make the playoffs but i do i do expect them to at least be talked about a bit more next year number 12 i've got Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert now I know I know Utah acquired Mike Conley, which was an incredible move. Um and he 
he essentially makes them a big three, but this is a duelist, so just forget about it, right? <laughs> um, I think M- Mitchell, talking about Mitchell, he's he's another guy like, like Booker, uh, who I was just talking about. He's another guy who can be one of the best scorers in the league, and I think if he can if he can improve his consistency as well as his scoring efficiency, then I think he could be a mid to high twenty point per game scorer as early as next year. Um, and I don't even think that's that much of a hot take to be honest. And when it comes to Gobert arguably the best defender in the league and he doesn't need to score he doesn't need the ball to to have an impact on the game although it is a bit of a plus his offense has has come a long way in the past couple of years and he did have his best offensive season a year ago um but the fact that he doesn't need the ball uh he doesn't demand shots i think that is perfect to have him playing next to a guy like Donovan Mitchell because Donovan Mitchell you you see him play and he has the the sort of alpha mentality the the go-to scoring style of play i mean you know you see you see him play and i think in in Quinn Schneider's offense now he is even even with Conley on board he Donovan Mitchell he's still the guy I think that that does wonders for his development and as a result, Utah's offense. Now, with the moves that they've made, not only acquiring Mike Conley, but also uh, getting signing Bojan Bogdanovic, you know, that was a huge move. You know, I think the Jazz could be kind of a, a dark horse contender in the West next year. They really are that good led in part or mainly uh by their their star duo now at number 11 i've got demar DeRozan and lamarcus aldridge now i think greg popovich he deserves a lot of credit and essentially makes this duo into a big three since he has somehow found a way to make to make this work you know with two stars neither of whom shoots threes. And for him to be able to make that work in today's NBA, it's just just incredible. And I think just just goes to show why he is, I think, the best coach ever in basketball. Um, now, I always think this with, with DeRozan, I think a, a consistent three-point stroke is the only thing that's kind of keeping him from being a top three shooting guard in the league. But, even even if he doesn't add one, then he's he's still an all star caliber player. Um, but I remember the year before last, DeRozan's final year in Toronto, he did he did have a somewhat consistent three point shot, and for whatever reason, he just stopped shooting them in San Antonio. If he can work on that part of his game and come back next year, even like a around a league average three-point shooter you know 34 35 percent on about three attempts per game you know that will unlock this Spurs offense even more and then uh moving on to LaMarcus Aldridge I mean he he too he's occasionally shown flashes of a three-point stroke and if he can even just slightly up his volume 
then again, it'll just unlock that Spurs offense even more and make uh, Pop's job that much easier. But even without any further development, these two, they're still both all-star caliber players and they're, and they're still capable of leading San Antonio to the playoffs kind of every year. I think that should be the expectations for them. All right, now we're heading into the top 10. So at the number 10 spot, I have Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics. Now, Boston, I think they have two other guys who are capable of joining this uh, kind of star duo, star combo, if you will, and that's Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward. Now, each of them, they're each looking to have a bounce back bounce back years after you know disappointing seasons a year ago and I think this situation that the Celtics are in now it could not be more perfectly suited for that to happen I think I think Campbell Walker he looks to be a better fit with this Celtics team than Kyrie was and I think that should do wonders for kind of the cohesiveness and chemistry of the team and more specifically, I think it will help unlock Jason Tatum a bit more, um, as he can he can become a bit more of a focal point and kind of bounce back from a, from what was a slightly disappointing second season. Um, and I also think Brad Stevens, being one of the top coaches in the league, I think he'll now have an easier time making sure that everyone gets their shots that they want and that that's why I think uh both Hayward and Brown are cued to have big big years next year because I mean a lot of the problem last year with with Kyrie leading the show was that all the pieces just didn't really fit together they had too many too many guys wanting shots now Kyrie's out of town Terry Rozier's gone as well uh, which leaves which leaves Brad Stevens with a with a few fewer mouths to feed. <laughs> I'm sure I could have put that better, but you you get what I'm saying. Um I think Boston they're in a pretty they're in a pretty good position going into next season. And number 9 I've got Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. Now in the playoffs last season Jokic especially he w- he was unbelievable he was arguably a top five player um in last year's playoffs and then Jamal Murray he took he also he took a huge step towards fulfilling his kind of all-star potential and he you know he hit several critical shots in in the Nuggets playoff run last year and I think it's not not a stretch to imagine each of these guys taking another step next year I think Murray into all-star territory I mean, you could expect him to average around 20 points, five boards, five assists next year. And then Jokic into MVP territory. Uh, I know he was kind of a fringe contender last season, but I expect him to take another step next year. Um, And on top of that, as well as each guy, you know, really coming into their own in the playoffs last year, they really, they really play incredibly well together and a lot of that has to do with just how good a passer and playmaker Jokic is because I mean 
Murray. He's not a traditional point guard. He is more of a scorer, but that doesn't matter on this Denver team because Jokic essentially acts as the team's point guard. I mean, the offense runs through him. And Murray, he is very, very good off the ball, and he he plays off Jokic incredibly well. And another year of playing together, that'll just make their chemistry stronger. And I think... Denver, definitely a team to watch in the West next year. Definitely a contender in my book. Next up at number eight, we've got Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, the the duo who knocked Jokic and Murray out of the playoffs last year in game seven, in case you've forgotten. Now, these two, Dame and CJ, they had, they had their best moment last year, their best run. Uh, leading leading Portland to the conference finals in last year's playoffs, and they just, I mean, they 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 complement each other so well. Their style of their styles of play fit together so perfectly, and they they're so used to playing together now, where it's just they can almost sense, you know, when when one of them has it going, and they have no problem deferring to the hot hand, and it's kind of a it's kind of a seamless fit and a perfect example of what the kind of your turn, my turn offense can be. Um, you know, uh, Damian Lillard, he shows us every year that he's a borderline MVP candidate and that that should be no different next season. And, and then with CJ McCollum, I feel like after watching him in the playoffs last year especially, I do feel like there is still another level that he can reach. I think he can still get a little bit better. Um, and if he manages to do that next season, then, you know, Portland just becomes that much scarier, especially when Yusuf Nurkic returns and, um, you know, the team's kind of complete again. But no question, the the kind of the engine that drives this team is their star backcourt duo. Now at number seven... I've got Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis on the Dallas Mavericks. Now, in a couple of years, these guys could be right at the top of this list. But, I mean, there are still questions at this stage, especially, you know, we haven't seen these two actually play together yet. Um, The main question being, uh, how exactly will... Porzingis recover from the ACL tear that kept him out all of last season. I'm I'm expecting him to return to full form. Uh, I don't think that the Mavs need to rush him back, and especially since um, they'll have, you know, Doncic as uh, their kind of offensive focal point that allows them to ease Kristaps back into back into playing, you know, back into game shape. And they can really take their time and kind of play the long game with these guys because, I mean, assuming assuming health for both of them, Dallas, they have two potential top five players in the league down the line. I mean, Luca, he did things as a rookie last season that we hadn't seen since LeBron came into the league. These are things we'd never seen from a European player. And to do what he did as a rookie, it was it was just it was just incredible. He made 
he he was so good that Dallas literally couldn't tank. He's that good, and he's only a rookie, so he's only going to get better as he, you know, grows more accustomed to the NBA style of play, and um, he gets more experience under his belt. I mean, I don't think it's too crazy of an expectation to think that if if all goes right, then Doncic could one day go down as the greatest european player in in history i mean he's that good and then moving on to perzingis i think again presuming he makes a full recovery i think he still has the potential to be a slightly better version of dirk Nowitzki. no disrespect to dirk at all um i just feel like it's worth pointing out it's kind of it's only fitting then that Porzingis is in Dallas. Now, I feel like that's the perfect place for him to sort of bounce back and, you know, fulfill his potential as the unicorn, as he as he has been called. And if if everything goes right for for this duo and for the Mavs, then I think a championship could be in the not so distant future they'll definitely be contending in the next in the next year or two but the these guys they have championship potential as a duo now number six i've got ben simmons and joel Embiid. now although some people say that these guys don't really fit together they don't complement each other that well and that the Sixers should have actually traded Simmons away. I still think they're one of the scariest young duos that we've seen. And I think if if Ben Simmons can get a reliable jump shot, I know I've I've talked about this multiple times now on the podcast, but I stand by it. If Ben Simmons can get a somewhat reliable jumper, I think the questions about how these two guys fit together, I think they'll just disappear. I think, honestly, a somewhat reliable jumper will totally unlock Simmons' game and it will take the Sixers to a new level. Now, as long as Embiid remains healthy, um, he'll, he'll be in the conversation for best big man in the league, best player in the league even, and he could win an MVP one day. And, you know, maybe he could be a dark horse candidate for MVP next year. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> um, but anyway, now that now that Philly, they've got another kind of revamped and totally stacked starting five, um, then next year could be Philly's year to break through. Um, and... I think that largely depends on Simmons' development and Embiid's health. But this team, they're going to go where their star duo takes them. And they could potentially take them all the way. All right, moving into the top five. I've got Steph Curry and D'Angelo Russell. Now, obviously, obviously Clay Thompson, he would be... He would be next to Steph on this list. But since he's likely going to miss most of the year... Put, I've put D'Angelo in there. And although they may struggle on defense at times, 
I feel like Russell and Curry, they should fit together seamlessly on offense uh, with D'Angelo running the point and Steph moving sort of more off the ball. I think that could be lethal for the Warriors next year. And obviously their their pick and roll offense as well is going to be something to watch. Um, yeah, so they're, you may think they're slightly high on this list. Um given given the question marks surrounding their defense but i just think when you when you take into account both talent and fit you know chemistry then i think they're more they're more than deserving of a of a top 5 place especially since you know Steph he he should be in the running for mvp next year and D'Angelo Russell he no reason that he shouldn't be looking for for his second all-star appearance and based on based on that um i expect the warriors to be hovering around sort of 50 wins by the end of the season um and after after letting kevin durant go well not letting him go after losing kevin durant i think golden state have done about as good a job as possible bouncing back and still remaining relevant and then once once clay returns as well i don't know if they'll decide to to keep russell past next season but once clay returns they'll be right back in contention in the west i don't see any reason why not right number four we've got russell westbrook and james harden this this was the huge move that that uh, happened between uh between last week's episode and this week's episode, uh, Russell Westbrook being traded from from the Thunder to the Rockets. Now, on pure talent alone, these guys can totally hold their own with with anyone. But the main question here is how are they going to fit together? Now, I'm I am not I'm not sold at all on them fitting together. I'm going to have to see it to believe it. But um. You hear, you hear most people. Most people are saying that the Westbrook he's going to have to change his game to sort of fit with Harden. He's going to have to defer to Harden for this for this whole experiment to work. And while I do agree with that, I think James Harden he needs to alter his game as well. And I've been saying this even even before they acquired Russell Westbrook when it was still Chris Paul on the team. I was saying James Harden he needs to alter his game. He needs to first be be willing to incorporate more ball movement and player movement into into Houston's offense and he also needs to work on his own off ball game and that becomes even more paramount now that Russell Westbrook's on board I mean I'm not disputing the fact that this is still James Harden's team he's still the guy for the Rockets but he 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 needs to change his game a little bit at least to to kind of make Russ's transition easier. Now speaking of of uh of Russ Russ and the de- and the de- not the development. And speaking of Russ and the changes that he needs to make to his game, they're they're quite they're quite obvious at this point. He needs to improve his shooting. Uh you know, if he can if he can get up, if he can even hit a third of his threes, you know that that will be progress, and I think what's what's equally as important as that. I know I know Houston hates mid range the mid range game, 
spot. I mean, we saw it work with Chris Paul when he was there. If Westbrook can can get his mid-range game back to where it was a few years ago, where he was he was kind of a lethal pull-up mid-range shooter. Uh, people don't really realize that. So if he can get his mid-range shot back to sort of that level, and if he can if he can improve his three-point shot a little bit to where he's at least semi-respectable from there. That's number one. Number two, on offense, he's just got to improve his decision-making, especially now that he's not going to uh, have as much freedom as he did in in Oklahoma City. He's going to have to pick his spots more and kind of let the game come to him more, which are two things which he has struggled to do consistently in the past. But um, in this in this Rockets offense, especially with James Harden, he's going to have to adjust that part of his game. And then since since he's not going to have as much responsibility on on the offensive end i think this is going to be a golden opportunity for russ to uh kind of showcase his defensive ability more i mean he he's always had the talent to be an all nba defender i think but in order for him to kind of live up to his to his defensive potential he just needs to showcase more consistent effort and discipline now in the effort side of things like I said since he's not going to be relied upon as heavily on offense as he was in Oklahoma City he's going to have more energy to it to expand on that end and then with the with the discipline I think that's just that's just going to come with uh, you know maturity and you know if it, if he if he works to improve his decision making as well that'll um he'll be able to improve his discipline both on offense and defense. So lots and lots of question marks to sum up around 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 this duo when it comes to comes to their chemistry and how well they fit together. But talent wise, I mean, they're <laughs> they're right up there. Uh number three, I've got Chris Middleton and Yanis Antetokounmpo. Now I know I know Middleton, he's not of the same caliber as some of the other guys at the top of this list, but he is the perfect fit next to Yanis. He is the ideal second star for Yanis. I mean, he's a dead-eye marksman from the outside. He doesn't dominate the ball, and he's a two-way player as well. I mean, he D's up on the other end. And Yanis, I mean, he's he's already an MVP and he still actually has a ways to go in his development before he reaches his full potential and that's just that's just a scary thought i mean if he comes back next year with a with a reliable outside shot not only will i think he'll win his second straight mvp but he could potentially lead the bucks on a title run now at number 2 I think everyone everyone could guess who the top two duos are. Uh, the debate comes with what order they should be in. Now, I'm sure I'm going to <laughs> annoy some people here, but at the number two spot, I've got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Now, without question, this was the biggest move of the entire offseason. It included one of the craziest trades in NBA history. Um, but long story short, the Clippers landed Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. If you want to 
if you want to hear me talk more in depth about this about this move, feel free to check out last week's episode, um, where I where I sort of go more in depth into it. But basically, Kawhi and Paul George, they're each offensive superstars in their own right. But what makes them such a scary duo? is the fact that they are arguably the best two perimeter defenders in the league. I think they are the best perimeter defense duo, whatever you want to call them, since Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. They're they're that good. Each of them are kind of defensive player of the year caliber players on that end. And not only that, their their games seem to fit together really well. Uh, since both guys can can thrive with or without the ball, um, I mean, they quickly turned the Clippers into arguably the best team in the NBA. Now, I I currently have Kawhi as the best player in the league, basically just because of what he did in the playoffs last year with Toronto. Um and I think if he can if he can cement himself next year as as the best player, then I definitely think that the that the Clippers will be the the team to beat next year. And I might just have to put uh Kawhi and PG ahead of who I've got at number one as the best duo in the league. But that's dependent on yeah, how Kawhi establishes himself uh this season. Um, and the number one spot on this list, I'm sure it's not surprising at all by this point, but it's LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I know it's a bit of a toss up between number one and number two on this list, but I look at like I look at it like this: LeBron clearly he's he's not quite ready to give up the the label of being the best player in the world. He's not ready to give up that just yet. And Anthony Davis, you could make a case that he's next in line for that title anyway. Um, and I'm going to go into just in a little bit, I'll, I'll go into how many, many of you actually, you know, it's easy to forget just how good Anthony Davis can be. And on top of that, since both of these guys are coming off, you know, disappointing seasons a year ago, Expect both to be extra motivated to just ball out next year. I think we have we won't have seen a more motivated LeBron since. Remember after his first year in Miami when they lost to Dallas in the finals, and he came back the following year in 2012, and was to that point the best version of LeBron we'd ever seen. I think we're going to see an equally motivated and equally driven LeBron this year, which should which should be a scary thought for the rest of the NBA. And then Anthony Davis, like I said, after essentially being benched after requesting a trade in the second half of last season, you know, expect him to come out next year and kind of remind uh remind the world just just how good he is. Now since since we're on the topic of you know LeBron and AD and the Lakers, I feel like just before just before we wrap things up today, I wanted to wanted to do a quick bit on 
on the Lakers and kind of the state of of their team right now because I've seen a lot of people after after LA they failed to land Kawhi you know I've seen a lot of people uh kind of write off their their off season as a failure uh you know they're not they're not true title contenders now uh after what the Clippers have done and while it certainly was disappointing for them that they didn't that they didn't land Kawhi. They did about as good a job as possible afterwards with the with the moves they made and the signings that the signings that they brought on board. Now I know I know the Rondo the Rondo signing may not make too much sense, uh, given that him and LeBron didn't really play very well together last year. In fact, every every two-player combination that included LeBron on the Lakers last year was a positive on the court except from when LeBron and Rondo shared the court together then they were a negative so that that may seem a little strange that they decided to bring Rondo back on a two-year deal however I mean you can see they were in need of a point guard at that point and it was actually um a big reason that DeMarcus Cousins signed with signed with the Lakers he said it was largely because of Rondo so if the if the boogie gamble ends up working for the Lakers which I think it very well could then you know you could look at Rondo as an important piece of making that happen actually speaking of speaking of DeMarcus Cousins actually um before we move on to the other moves the Lakers have made, I don't know if you've seen—I don't know if you've seen him recently—but he has already lost a lot of weight. It looks like he looks considerably lighter, and obviously he'll be looking to to bounce back next year. So if they've got a, uh, you know, maybe if they have, well, is it fair to expect seventy-five percent of the of the Demarcus Cousins from two years ago? If they have, you know. 65 75% of of that guy Whew. I mean that that's going to that's going to be something to watch next year. Now other other than those other than those moves the Lakers they they also brought in Danny Green, Avery Bradley, Jared Dudley and Quinn Cook as well and they also they also brought back uh, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope I think on a one on a one year deal. Now what do all those guys have in common? They can all shoot. And what happens when you surround LeBron with shooting? They're almost an unbeatable team. I mean, we saw that in Miami. We saw that in Cleveland. We saw that everywhere LeBron goes, if he has shooters around him, and now in the latter stages of LeBron's career, if if those shooters can also play defense, which a lot of these guys can, especially Danny Green and Avery Bradley and, and KCP as well when he wants to, um though they're just they're just perfect fits with LeBron and one thing that's now now obvious with this Lakers team this is now a LeBron team i mean last year it was more of a more of an awkward fit with all the pieces they had last year but now they have brought in players that fit with LeBron incredibly well. They've brought in shooting, they've brought in defense, and not to mention they've also brought in Anthony Davis, who I'd like to quickly touch on since people seem to forget just how good he is. Um, 
I'd just like to give you some numbers. Now, this is what this is what AD averaged before he requested a trade last season. He averaged over 29 points, 13 rebounds, four and a half assists, one and a half steals, and two and a half blocks. He does absolutely everything that you could ask, and he's arguably the best defender in the league, the most versatile defender in the league. Now, I don't know how you can you can say that that is a failure of an offseason for a franchise. I know I know they didn't land Kawhi, but I still think that the Lakers could still potentially be the best team in the league next year. I mean, it's going to be a toss-up between them and the Clippers, and that's going to be fun to watch all year long. But the Lakers are right there. They're right there. And like I said, with an extra motivated LeBron, that might just be all they need to kind of put them over the top, actually, next year. But anyway, that that... That just about does it for today. As always, let let me know what you think. Uh, give me your thoughts on uh, on Twitter. You can find me at Around the Arc Pod. Um, alternatively, you can you can head on to SirCharlesInCharge.com. That's where uh, you'll find all the podcast episodes on there. You'll also find uh, tons of articles posted daily on on all the goings on in the NBA. Uh, so be sure to do that and I will see you back here again next week for another episode all right thanks again for for tuning in guys and I'll see you next time Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.